podcast that sits at the intersection of art and technology. I'm Gabe BC, and why am I whispering today? A couple of months ago, I went to this show in New York called Whisper Lodge, which was a live ASMR experience. For those of you who don't know what ASMR is, you're about to learn. It's a big online community of people whispering. Our guest today, Melinda Lau, is the co-founder of Whisper Lodge, and she took this online community and brought it offline into an immersive performance. So here we go. Lots of whispering and lots of talking normally, too. This is Melinda Lau of Whisper Lodge. Melinda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this chat. Um, So before we dive into Whisper Lodge, maybe you can tell our listeners what ASMR stands for and I guess just what it is. Yeah, um, ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And it sounds like this crazy scientific thing, but it really isn't. It's a pseudoscientific term made up by people online. Um, It was coined in 2010 by this woman called Jennifer Allen. And um, it is the name for this tingly, relaxing sensation that a lot of people feel when they hear specific sounds like whispering or very close crinkling of paper and plastic. And so you said it was discovered online, but it obviously existed before it was written about online. Yeah. So like, for example, I've had ASMR all my life and I only discovered the name when I started going online as a teenager. Um, And so ASMR is this sensation that a lot of us seem to innately have and have had for ages, but we've only really like named it in the last 10 years. And it's a really interesting story, actually, of how the name came to be. I don't know if you're interested in hearing that. Yeah, for sure. So um, before ASMR was called ASMR in 2010, there were a few years, like maybe two or three years before, where people were already discussing it online. And they they used to talk about it as the weird feeling or uh, autonomous, uh, I think it was attention-induced euphoria. Then there was also brain orgasms, all sorts of like strange (laughs) names Mm -hmm. and on all sorts of different forum websites. Um, And there was like a, a slowly building discussion about this and forming of a community online. Um, but it was only until the term got coined and Jennifer also created a Facebook group that everything sort of became legitimized. And then that's when the start of ASMR really began. And was there a specific moment when you sort of realized that you had ASMR? Like what was that situation or moment that, <clears throat> that caused this first feeling for you? Uh, I, well, for me, I've always been able to differentiate the tingly sensation from any other feeling. So for me, I, like, my earliest memory is probably when I was, like, six or seven years old. I don't even remember, but it was long ago enough for me to be watching the Teletubbies on (laughs) TV. And um, there was one scene where they, like, zoomed out into the real world and, uh, they were doing this close shot of a child coloring with crayons on this like heavy textured paper. And for some reason, I really, really loved the feeling I got. And I remember I kept wanting to rewatch it, but I was too young to know how to like record it or like rewind the tape and stuff. <laughs> so there would just be, <laughs> yeah, I know it's really strange, but uh, there would, 
I, I can recall like really distinct moments in my childhood where I had that feeling and it felt special, but I just didn't know what it was or what it did, but I could differentiate it. And so that's sort of called a, a trigger, right? In the ASMR community? Yes. And um, triggers can be anything. Some people have a form of ASMR that is self-triggered, so they can just like recall something, think of something, and they'll get the tingles. Um, but for most people, I think they get it through watching videos. So that is visual and also sound-based. Um, and then for specifically what we do at Whisper Lodge, it's also touch-based. Um, so you can experience ASMR through triggers in real life, uh, like going for a haircut or a massage, or you can experience it now through YouTube, um, through Spotify, like specific content that is made to trigger your ASMR. So it's it's a huge online community of people that make these videos, you're saying. And what, what kind of videos are they? Like, are they just people talking to the camera usually? Are they um, people drawing or coloring, it sounds like? Yeah, I mean, it really is a huge variety right now. Uh, when ASMR kind of just got started, the first video was from this channel called My Whispering Life, something like that, where it was just the voice of someone whispering. So I'd say like whispering videos are the the, the start of everything. Um, but now, because there are millions and millions of YouTubers doing this, they have been forced to be so creative that you can find so many like uh, sub-genres of ASMR. Um, a lot of them are roleplay-based videos. So you'll see usually a female performer whispering very close to the camera. They're usually doing some sort of service-oriented roleplay, like um, doing a facial or going to a doctor's appointment or getting registered with your registrar somewhere in an office. Um, and then the really out there ones can be like uh, zombie survival diary ASMR or um, <laughs> wait yeah, so there's like, whispering in zombie survival diaries yeah I mean anything you can think of right now someone's probably made an ASMR version of it <laughs> <laughs> so there's sort of a crossover between like the role-playing like RPG kind of community and the ASMR communities Maybe. I, I'd say like as ASMR has gotten so popular now, a lot of different fields have been using ASMR as a way to like engage more people. So maybe the RPG people, the gaming people are interested. We've definitely got interest from, from the porn community. There's a sub-genre of ASMR called ASMR Erotica. Um, there are also a lot of companies now using ASMR in ads, uh, specifically like social media ads and tv ads wait so what what is it i mean have you you've studied <laughs> asmr in the past like didn't you do your didn't you complete your studies at goldsmith uh and did a thesis project about asmr yes yeah what was I, that project i was in a class actually called material culture studies and that is amazing because it basically means you can write about anything that is visual and it was really amazing so i i wrote about um the history of asmr from an anthropological point of view and my whole uh hypothesis was that asmr was kind of like a micro flow and flow is this concept in uh, psychology where you lose a sense of time because you are innately happy you're doing something that gives you um, so much joy that you 
like are so absorbed in it and you forget that time is passing. And I theorized that ASMR could be a micro form of that. And then I also wrote about uh, having ASMR and going through this process of like coming out about it because uh, like a lot of other people, um, I had I have had ASMR all my life and only when I had a name for it, then I was able to share and then I was able to like, uh, you know, not feel so strange and ashamed about it. So there's this whole like coming out process that is really interesting socially as well. Is that what it's referred to within the ASMR community? It seems like that could be sort of controversial, um, you know, I given know. how other it, communities look at coming out. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, widely shared. I just wrote about it in my in my thesis, but mm. I don't think it has gotten very much attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting that you're talking about this idea of flow. It sounds sort of like how people feel sometimes when they look at works of art, that they can sort of get lost in them. Um, yes, exactly. That's the kind of feeling that you're like so entranced that that's all you can focus on. And, and this like draws back to one of the older names for ASMR, which is attention-induced euphoria. There's, there's that idea right from the very beginning that this is something to do with you paying attention to something. Is there actual scientific research into why this phenomenon occurs in people? Um, well, the science is really trying to catch up, I think. People have done studies here and there, um, but no one knows for sure why some people have ASMR and some people don't or like why we have this in the first place but there are a lot of theories out there um i'd say the most significant study about ASMR was done in 2018 by the University of Sheffield. Um, some researchers there were able to prove that people who self-identify as having ASMR, they displayed a reduction in their heart rate when they were watching ASMR content. And they were also, um, they had like increased skin conductivity, which hmm. I guess just means they were able to like feel more sensations. Um, so in that way, it's supportive of ASMR as this relaxation technique. Um, but beyond that, we don't really know uh, much else. Like they're not able to, to uh, explain why yet. So they're not sure why certain people feel this and others don't? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. It, um, it doesn't work for the people who don't self-identify. So like if they didn't know they had ASMR, they, they don't display all the all those like lowered heart rate and stuff. So this is a big online kind of digital community of people. There's, you know, I've watched a lot of these videos myself. Um, and I'm curious how you made this jump from taking this digital community and making it physical because you're one of the co-founders of Whisper Lodge. Maybe you can tell us what Whisper Lodge is at this point. Yeah, uh, well, Whisper Lodge is, I guess now we're a collective that, that, um, does a whole bunch of ASMR work. But most importantly, we are one of the pioneers of live ASMR. So since 2006, we've been performing this show that is also called Whisper Lodge. That's a 90-minute immersive performance, and it takes you through um, a fictitious ASMR spa. So during this experience, you go to a different uh, go to a house with like a few different rooms inside and each room there's a character who is performing uh, one type of ASMR role play to you in person and that means they're whispering to you they're 
being in very close contact with you and we use a lot of uh, touch as well so like if you're in the boudoir room you get your face brushed with makeup brushes and rose water spritzed all over you um and it's we also do a whole bunch of other things like now we're starting to make videos online and we work with brands to help them make ASMR content but um our root and like why why we've become known is because of our live work and so how did this performance come about did you just decide one day hey i want to rent a house and <laughs> uh bring these videos into the real world in some way this is this is kind of a long story but when i was at goldsmiths in the uk doing my uh, undergraduate degree i started going to see immersive theater shows so punch drunk which is the company behind sleep no more is from the uk and they did a show there called the drowned man that was my first immersive theater show that i went to and it completely changed my view of art and that i was just so overwhelmed that after that i kept going to more and more shows so i first was an ASMR fan that was kind of like the secret thing I did for myself and then like artistically I started developing this intense interest in immersive theater and after um, graduating from Goldsmiths I moved to New York to do my master's and then it was there that I met Andrew Hoffner who is the co-creator of Whisper Lodge and he is an immersive theater director creator um he had just done a show called Houseworld. Uh, oh yeah, I went to you. I went to Houseworld. Yeah. That was in Williamsburg. Oh my god, so you know. Mm -hmm. it, it was amazing. It's like one of the best things I've seen. <laughs> it was incredible. Um, it was it was sort of similar to what you're describing, right? There was all these different rooms with characters that you would go into and interact with. It wasn't ASMR yes, though, but, I I don't think. Yeah, you can see the similarity, I guess, from the structure of the show. But um so it all started because after that show, a lot of people who went to see Houseworld kept telling him, oh, that room, I know what you're doing there. I totally got the ASMR thing. And he was like, oops, I guess I did ASMR without knowing it. Um, and so he was at that point trying to find out more about ASMR. And I had just moved to New York, super interested in um immersive theater just wrote my thesis on ASMR. Um, so we happened to have a common friend who uh, realized that we both wanted to learn from each other and um, we had coffee and it started from there. So <laughs> at this coffee, you <laughs> yeah. just decided we're going to do an immersive production together, basically. I mean, it wasn't so ambitious when we began. I think when we met up, we were still questioning, you know, like if people experienced ASMR in Houseworld, is ASMR something you can trigger in real life? Like, can we do it in person? No one had done it before. And and our first step was actually, like, Googling to find somewhere in New York where we could go do it because it's New York. Someone must have done it. And there wasn't anybody who had tried. Hmm. So, yeah, we went to a thrift store, bought a bunch of random things, and then we just sat down in a room and tried stuff on each other. Like, does this sound good to you? Maybe this spritz bottle can make you feel relaxed. I don't know. It, it was really improvised, and um, we were just trying to see if it worked. And thank goodness it did. <laughs> Wait, so what are these objects that you bought at the thrift store, I'm curious, besides the spritz bottle? Uh, we had this, like, wooden... Uh, thingy that you used to like put in your shoe we also had a hot water bottle we had flowers ceramic plates glasses um fake pearls 
paper fan. Actually, a lot of the items that we started with eventually made it into the show. So that was quite <laughs> quite cool. And does Andrew also have a uh, ASMR? No, actually, he still doesn't, but he definitely has a very keen appreciation for it now. And and um, it is through his experience that I think the show has benefited because then we, we were able to um, cater Whisper Lodge to not just ASMR fans, but also just like people who are interested in immersive experiences. Um, I'd also say that through his his kind of like journey with ASMR, I think people can develop an appreciation for it. They don't necessarily need to be like born with ASMR sensitivity, but I think they can learn how to find it. And what was Whisper Lodge's first performance? Um, was that the version? Because I actually went to Whisper Lodge in February of this year, uh, and I'm curious how yeah. different it was from the experience that I got to see. The original one was very different. I mean, the the fundamentals are the same. So the the one you saw was in um, February this year, and it was in a big uh, apartment, like multi-story apartment in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And the reason why actually it's in an apartment is because the first show we did, we asked our friend Molly, like, hey, can we borrow your apartment to do this? crazy experiment and she said yes so from the very beginning we had we, we just like made the show to work within a domestic space and we have not changed it since um so everything is kind of like a happy accident hmm. and what are the what were the scenes from the original uh performance because it seems like it's very uh, driven by narrative like there's a, there's actually sort of a a narrative through line to the the entire thing it's not just like watching you know youtube videos of asmr yeah, and, and that actually is something, that's the main difference, I think, from the OG version to the one you saw. So when we first did it, we were so concerned with trying to create the tingles that for us, it was about the triggers. The people performing the show, we just had like three performers, but we weren't like, we weren't characters. All we, we did was, okay, I know I'm in this room and I have the pearls and the fan and the crinkly paper. And we would just be like, okay, now I'm going to do the crinkly paper on you. And then now I'm going to do the, like, there wasn't any. <laughs> now it's time for the crinkly paper part, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so like, um, initially we were just so focused on all of those objects and triggers that we did not create any uh, like narrative behind it. But um, after we did that very, very small version, we did more and more like workshop versions of the show. Some of them were larger and we used to end the show by sitting around a table, doing like the final poem at the table and then just saying like, thank you for coming. Now we'll serve tea and biscuits. Please give us your feedback. And we'll just end with like a feedback session. <laughs> and yeah. so we would change the show like every single, in between shows, we would incorporate people's feedback. And the main feedback we got was that scene reminded me of my mom. That scene reminded me of my sister, my teacher. And then we realized, okay, ASMR is related to memory and so many people find so much nostalgia in all these sounds and objects. And that's when all the narrative came in. So now each scene is like the mother or the, the fancy boudoir lady. Um, 
yeah, yeah I ended the, up in the, a in a room with a, like an opera enthusiast at one point yeah. who who uh, sang a song for me. <laughs> it was very narrative. I mean, it was very immersive in the sense that this was a character that I was visiting in their room. Um, yeah. How, how much do you develop the characters within Whisper Lodge? Like, do you actually go into sort of their backstories, or is it more based on these ASMR triggers? No, it's definitely based on the ASMR triggers and actually also um, inspired by the locations. So the opera scene that you saw, and I'm so glad you went to see it because it was a new scene that we created just for that house. Hmm. Every time we do a, a run of Whisper Lodge, we use a different house. They're usually Airbnbs. So we have to work with the rooms that are available in this house in the attic we noticed this person had like a ton of opera stuff everywhere so they must have been a composer or conductor or something so uh, we we decided to create a new opera one-on-one because none of our other scenes would fit well there and um, just like Maybe like a few years before, we had this amazing house in the Upper East Side that had a huge walk-in closet. And then that's when we created the Taylor one-on-one. Oh, that's fascinating. So it's almost like these people's yeah. homes become scenes within your own immersive theater project. Are they ever aware yeah. of what you're doing in their houses? Yes. I mean, it's really hard for us to find locations because they have to agree to everything that we're doing. I mean, to sell tickets to a show and to be able to like move furniture and get so many people in and out. It's, you know, a select few homeowners would be into that. <laughs> and usually they uh, agree to host it based on our track record or because they're also creative people and they want to support us. Do the homeowners ever have ASMR? Is that why they often uh, agree to let you use their homes? Actually, no. Um, sometimes we try to invite them, but none of them really seem to want to come. Um, I feel like a lot of Airbnb owners treat it as a business. Sometimes they'll just say like, okay, you want to sell tickets? Let's add 20% to the Airbnb cost. Hmm, interesting. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of them, they just, you know, if it's a business opportunity for them, they'll say yes. What do you say to people who might be sort of creeped out or put off by this concept? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> Role play yeah. and brushing people's faces and opera singers. Like, how do you how do you mediate that those ideas within your own work? I mean, I completely get it because uh, amongst my family and my friends, like not everyone likes this. Some people think it's super creepy and they like, they just don't want to go near it. But for me, I think, you know, ASMR is not for everyone and our show is not for everyone. We expect you to, you know, be vulnerable with us during the show and to be okay with physical contact. And, um, you know, if it's not your jam, then it's okay, I think. But if it is, then I think the rewards are also, you know, potentially very big. It's it's a really uh, special experience to be so like um, to receive so much personal attention from a performer in a in a immersive in an immersive theater context. Yeah, I, I I believe the first scene that I experienced was somebody doing an eye exam on me or an ear exam. And uh, mm -hmm. they put like Q-tips within my ears. And it was weirdly yeah. relaxing. I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense. But uh, you think it would be a little bit off putting like you're in sort of like a, uh, like a haunted house or something. But it was actually the complete opposite for me. It felt like very relaxed and calming. That's good. That's good. I mean, we we have a process like the way we plan the show. It's 
it's trying to slowly take you from being just a person walking around New York, rushing through the subway, you know, being like in this noisy environment, and then transitioning you into this space where you can just sit quietly with someone for 10 minutes and let them put a Q-tip in your ear. <laughs> that that difference is massive. Like you just rushing to the show in the subway and then like 15 minutes later, you are, you are like having this intimate session with someone. So yeah. us, like at the beginning of the show, we, we have this like speech that we make about what the show is, what the rules are, then we blindfold you and there's a sound buff and all of those things are steps that we intentionally take to help you get to a place where all these things will make sense and will be relaxing. I found the end of the show particularly interesting. Uh, you do sort of a binaural live performance with this okay. uh, recording device that I hadn't seen before. What what was it looked like two ears. I know I wasn't supposed to be looking because I was closing my eyes, but <laughs> I happened to peek anyways. You put earphones on us and then it almost sounds like we're inside someone's head. I, I assume that's like a binaural recording device. Yes, that is a very popular uh, binaural ASMR mic. It's called the 3DO Free Space. And it's so commonly used by all the YouTubers. And that's why we eventually use them. And they actually gifted us a pair like as a like sponsorship also. Um, but uh, we decided to do that scene because we wanted a way to like reference back to the ASMR community. Because ASMR is so much an online thing. What we're doing is really like, rare and not not the norm at all and so we wanted to be able to like take you back to that safe private mode of experiencing asmr at home through your computer through headphones um so we devised that scene to be like really dark and uh, moody and like after going through all these like intimate one-on-one sessions you have that little bit of I guess privacy and also a return to like ASMR as this uh audio online thing does that make sense yeah I mean it felt to me like augmented reality for my ears you know we're so used to thinking about augmented reality from a visual perspective but it felt like we were in a storyline completely told through sound I mean what were some of the samples that you used during that scene I think there's like pouring water right the idea of eating breakfast is involved yeah, so the conceptually, um, what we talk about in that scene is just the sun is shining, I wake up, I get ready, I put on my clothes, I have breakfast, I take my stuff and I head out the door. It's meant to be like a story within a story that gets you ready to leave our world. Mm. Um, and we performatively see it almost as like we are doing what the YouTubers are doing to the camera, but just to you in person. Yeah, that's how it felt. Would you mind doing like a little bit of uh, a scene or or some live ASMR for our audience just to see? Maybe some people will really enjoy it and discover something new. And maybe some people will feel like, oh, my God, I don't get this at all. But maybe it's just interesting for them to experience what it's like uh, through because it works pretty well through a podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let me try. I have some um, (laughs) things around me that I can use right now, but let's, let's try. So. ASMR is a lot about whispering and about sounds. So here I have this crinkly plastic item. I'm not sure if you can guess what that is, but it is a pack of baby wipes. (laughs) And actually, one of the beautiful things about ASMR is that it is so much bigger. 
That's fantastic. So <laughs> that was like the role play of uh, working at Staples or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, do you do um, ASMR videos yourself? Um, actually, we we didn't do them until coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally just started posting them last week, but um, we are starting to do them now. Um, it's kind of never... interesting that like ASMR yeah. started as this digital thing you guys made it physical in Whisper Lodge. You actually created like these physical environments where we could experience these scenes. And now you're moving back to a digital environment. Yes, it feels like a new beginning, but also like going back to our roots. It's very strange. <laughs> we, are, we are like newbies to the YouTube ASMR world. Are there partnerships? You said that you work with clients to develop ASMR related activities. What have you done in the past? Um, well, the biggest thing we've done is with Moxie Hotel. They had a huge launch party when they opened their Chelsea location. And um, they invited us to create an ASMR experience in their VIP suite. So we did a small performance for like 20 guests at a time, um, which involves like this voyeuristic backbrushing ritual. And then there was also an ASMR booth for people to record their own ASMR videos. Hmm. Um, so we, we do a range of things. Sometimes it's as simple as sending a guide to perform ASMR content that's already written for an ad. And then other times it's like the Moxie project where we create a whole performance for them. So there's different kind of versions of Whisper Lodge, it sounds like. So you do these corporate uh, or client tie-ins, uh, you do the show, and then you also offer like a one-on-one sort of spa service? Yeah. I mean, I that thing has been on hold for so long and probably will be on hold yeah, for I a imagine. while. But, um, <laughs> Although maybe through through Zoom or something, you could, do, you could offer one-on-ones. Maybe, maybe. If there's a demand for it, I guess. But I, I don't know. Um, well... Anyway, the, the thing was called Whispers on Demand and it is something that I would do personally, but I would um, receive requests from people online. They fill out a form and they tell me like exactly what they want and exactly what they don't want. And it's not theatrical. It's not a performance. I book a studio space and we sit down and I perform exactly what they want to them in an Mm. ASMR way so it's like a private in-person ASMR session and I know that some YouTubers offer these to like their Patreon subscribers that they have like one-on-one video ASMR service and what I did was just like the in-person version of that seems like a pretty intimate thing to do to have this experience with just one person at a time how does that feel yeah. as a practitioner of this? Does it ever make you feel uncomfortable or do these people go through sort of cathartic moments when you're doing these treatments for them? Uh, I actually really loved doing them because I I personally feel so relaxed when I'm performing it as well that it's, it's really soothing for me. Um, I don't think people have like extreme like cathartic catharsis when they go through that. Most of them are just seeking like a way to relax. So just like how they would book themselves in for a massage, then they would see ASMR as like just a different version of relaxation. And what I hope to do in my sessions is to like 
obviously like fulfill their ASMR dreams whatever they love to watch online I love to like provide them for them mm. in real life but also it's about heightening their their sensory awareness I had this one uh guest who after the session he was like oh my god I suddenly like he was tying his shoes up and then he noticed the color of the thread in his shoes and he didn't notice that ever before because ASMR has this way of like heightening everything and making you notice all the small details around you <laughs> yeah i actually when i was at the performance i asked one of the whisper lodge uh, actors i guess do you call them actors or what do you what do you call the people who perform uh, we at call them guides guides yes i asked one of the guides how they got involved with whisper lodge and she told me that she had been to whisper lodge so many times that she then actually <laughs> asked if she could have a job there <laughs> i think i know who that is that, that must have been either leah or Barbara, but but she was really good. But you know, she said like she just enjoyed it so much, and she wanted to kind of bring that joy to other people as well. So it's an interesting cyclical uh, activity. It sounds like it is. It is, and it's funny that you you touch on the guides because I think anyone can do ASMR. Like anyone can be an ASMR guide. It's just about like whether you appreciate what what ASMR is. If you have that appreciation, it's really not that hard. You can do it at home if you want to. So I guess people can try doing ASMR uh, during the quarantine. It might be a good activity. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Although What's... it works better with like a professional. When yeah, I do it, a professional know, sound setup. It's and... like lovey dovey, and it's not. It doesn't work anymore. Does your husband have ASMR as well? Uh, he doesn't. But you know, since I do what I do, he's learned how to appreciate it. Right. <laughs> What's the future of ASMR? Do you think that there's some sort of new technology that's going to come out or some new way of, of experiencing this? Or are, there, are you having thoughts about how to take Whisper Lodge sort of into the future? Mm, I mean, the future of ASMR, I feel like we'll just keep aligning more and more with like immersive technology so like vr ar i mean for a while it was really popular to do 360 sound in asmr videos um and i'm not sure if there's asmr vr but i feel like the next leap would be if vr becomes something where you can also feel haptics that would be really powerful Hmm. um but i think that's still far away um and then in terms of just like doing whisper lodge in the future we still hope to do the show once, you know, the virus is solved. Our, our initial plan was to do another show in LA at the end of the year, but I think that's most likely going to be pushed the next year. And we'll see where it goes. I've always told people I'll keep doing the show as long as people want to see it. So whenever people get over this, then I guess it'll just naturally end. <laughs> but for the moment... We'll just keep uh, trying to make online content. Keep whispering. Um, keep whispering. We, <laughs> we're probably going to do a, a Zoom version of the show soon. So stay tuned for that. Great. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get some requests after this uh, podcast comes out as well. Uh, before yeah. we go, I, we have a tradition of doing rapid fire questions for our guests. So these are just completely random, sometimes questions. The first thing that pops into your mind is the, the right answer. Um, okay. So let's start here with uh, you whisper a lot. When was the last time you yelled? Oh, man. I don't even remember. Maybe like a year ago. <laughs> Do you remember the circumstance? Um, probably something that my husband did, like putting <laughs> food in the wrong place in the fridge. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, so many ASMR videos involve role playing. If you had to play a different role in your life, what would it be and why? I would be like a 50s housewife. 
What? <laughs> like Mama Why? Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I don't have any worries in the world and I can just be a girly girl and do my own thing. I don't wow. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, have you ever shushed someone in a theater? Have I ever what? Someone? Sh- shushed someone. Like, you know, oh. tell them to be quiet in a theater. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I have a very low tolerance for noise and low tolerance for nonsense. <laughs> I wonder if that's uh, intrinsic to people that do ASMR, that they don't like loud noises. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, who is a celebrity you'd most like to see do an ASMR session? Hmm. I know Cardi B really loves ASMR. I would love Wait, to Cardi B loves ASMR? I can't picture Cardi B doing ASMR for some reason. I don't know why. She does ASMR <laughs> herself? I don't think she does ASMR herself. I mean, she's probably done one of those, like, W Magazine has this ASMR series. I think she did one of those, but I would love to see her, like, do a, an in-person one. So she's a fan. She's a fan of so, ASMR, though. Yes, she's a fan of ASMR, and her work is so not ASMR. Right. So that trust is interesting. Yeah, that would be great. Maybe you should have Cardi B do a Whisper Lodge room. We, we tried. We, we reached out to her on really? Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she didn't reply, so... Oh, you got to get a connection to her somehow. Some, if somebody <laughs> yeah. knows Cardi B, let's make this happen. Cardi B Whisper Lodge. Maybe online. Yeah. You could do like a uh, some kind of promotional tie-in with a new album or something. Yeah, that would be cool. All right, well, stay tuned for that. How do we people find Whisper Lodge online? Is there a way to, for us to check in on what you're up to? Yes. I mean, we update our Instagram most frequently, so follow us at Whisper Lodge. If not, check us out on our website, whisperlodge.myc. Okay, great. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. All right. And we'll stay tuned to see what's what's coming up next. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of State of the Art. I'm Gabe BC. Uh, you can always follow me at Gabe BC. Uh, if you have any ideas or suggestions or comments you want to relay to us, you can send me an email at gabe at thestateoftheart.org. Uh, we're happy to read some questions on the air or uh, communicate directly with you through social media at State of the Art on Twitter and Instagram. State of the Art is an at-art production originally created by Ethan Appleby. Uh, Wesson Stevens is our audio engineer extraordinaire and Vanessa Wilson is our producer. And I hope that they're all doing well and uh, I've been communicating with them a little bit and they seem like they're safe and healthy. And I hope our audience is also uh, doing well and staying indoors and being safe. So we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks.